there is a program who's, for people whose lives are, are in danger, threatened because they will testify in a court of law, sometimes against drug traffickers or protection from organized crime. It's called the Witness Protection Program. I don't think any of you are part of that. I, I see people pointing at other people like, yeah, you are. They're given new identities, they're given new social security cards, and often medical expenses are taken care of. And uh, sometimes they just move them and put them somewhere. And I understand, I read a statistic that said that 95% of these people were crim criminal themselves. When I was a young man, and I was traveling in the Ohio Valley, uh, working for Ohio Valley College, I would often come to churches, and as I would uh, go into the church, I would often encounter this statement. Are you Ed White, son? Now, fortunately, my dad had a good reputation. And I would say, why, yes, I am. But can you imagine if he was a scoundrel and had stolen all kinds of stuff from these people? Instead of being very nice, they would say something like, oh, you're Ed White's son. But that was fortunately not what happened to me. When we become a follower of Jesus Christ, everything changes. The scripture says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. And the old has gone and the new is here. When we become a follower of Jesus Christ, everything changes. Our, our, our actions change, our lives change, and a lot of, a lot of cases even our own countenance changes. And I don't mean, you know, you get a new makeover or something like that. I mean the fact that you face life uh, with a positive attitude and you understand exactly what Jesus has done for you. It, it just completely changes you. Does that mean that when we're baptized and something happens and, and we don't have to do anything after that and all of a sudden things change and I never sin anymore and, and my life is just peachy, you know. No, that's not what it is. In fact, the scripture says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I always emphasize this because so many times we think all you need to do is, is, is go through baptism, have someone baptize you, and that's it. But you notice it says at the very beginning of this, go and make disciples. People who are baptized are disciples. They are followers, followers of Jesus at that point, even before that point. They're followers of Jesus, and they want to be like him. I like what Kirby Anderson says in his book, Periscope. He says, spiritual growth isn't so much about doing, it's more about becoming daily more like Christ. Lyle read the passage of Scripture from Colossians talking about he is the firstborn, he is, he is the, the, the image of God. And, and that description of, of Jesus as I read that, and I think, what a, what a, it's just an awesome scripture. 
And I think that's what I'm supposed to become like. Oh, I understand. We're not, we're not going to have the, 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 the spiritual things that Jesus represented, but his characteristics of his life, the way he treated people, the way he spoke the word. That's what we're supposed to become like. But what happens is, it's all about surrendering. We don't like that word. As Americans, we've been taught to never surrender. When Martha and I first got married, we lived in Dallas, Texas. And her sister and, and my brother-in-law uh, lived up in, in Hope, Arkansas, which was a eh, three, three and a half hour drive. We went up with some other couple uh, to see uh, this other couple had relatives in Hope. And, and by the way, if you've never been to Hope, Arkansas, don't. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you about Hope someday. But anyway, we drove up to, to Hope three, three and a half hours and visited, had a great visit. Uh, but we had to come home on Sunday. Uh, we both, uh, I had a job to go to. She was in dental hygiene school. This other couple had jobs that they had to go to. But what happened, which is something that happens a lot in southern Arkansas during the wintertime, is an ice storm came up. Now, I'm not talking just about a regular ice storm. I'm talking an ice storm. I'm talking about how, uh, it, well, we were driving back from Dallas, and, and the windshield wipers, they, they, first of all, they wouldn't keep the windshield clean. And the reason why they wouldn't keep the windshield clean is because the ice kept forming on the, on the wiper blades. And we had to get out every once in a while and just kind of pound the wiper blades just to get that off. And a trip that usually takes three and a half hours, I think took us, what, six hours, something like that. It was a long, long trip. We, we would drive 30, 35 miles an hour the entire way on interstate. And when we got home, my hands were just, they almost had the imprint of the steering wheel, if not really literally, because I was gripping the windshield so tightly. Sometimes that's the way we are with our life, isn't it? We hang on and hang on and hang on, and we don't want Jesus to have anything to do with that. In fact, we, we think that as, as long as things are going well, as, you know, everything is good, we don't have to worry about anything. In fact, sometimes we get to the point where we don't even pray. Why pray? But then when things go wrong, as soon as troubles come, we fall to our knees and we start to bargain. We start to make these deals with God. Watched the video a couple weeks ago and a lady bargained with God. If you'll just give me through this, Lord, if you just get me through this, I'll be your follower every day. How many times have you seen that? Even worse yet, how many times have you done that? If you'll just get me through this crisis, if you'll just get me through this, you put the, the, the event in. I'll follow you. And the thing is, God has seen broken promise after broken promise after broken promise after broken promise. 
You say, well, Jesus bargained with God. Yeah, you better be careful. Go back and look at that. Did he say in the garden, God, if you'll take this from me, then we'll work out something. Now, what Jesus said was, if there is any other way, I'm asking you to take this cup from me, but if there's any other way, and at the end of it, he says, but not my will. Yours be done. You see, Jesus had already surrendered. Not my will, but yours be done. Can you say that? Can you say that in your life? Can you pray to God in your darkest moments when the world seems to be falling in on you? Can you say, you know what, Lord, take this from me, but... Your will be done. Can you pray in your best moments and thank God for his goodness and the way that you have been blessed? Or do we just use God as our safety net and say, Lord, if you just get me through this. You see, that's not surrender. And he's called us to surrender. But it's interesting because he's also called us to grow up. I have three older brothers, as I've told you before, and I don't know how often they would say to me, oh, Jimmy, grow up. That was not meant to be a compliment. That was not to me meant, meant to be, oh, Jimmy, you're such a young thing. One day you'll grow up and you'll be like us. Oh, Jimmy, grow up. In fact, it was a cut. It was the fact that they were embarrassed by me. Physically, you grow up naturally. I mean, all you got to do is, is eat a little bit, drink a little bit, and you just grow. I mean, those kids that came up here. Riley, I remember when Riley was just a short thing, and now he's tall. I wish he'd get his hair cut so he'd be a little shorter. Your kids, my kids, my grandkids, they're all growing up. Why does that happen? It just happens. Why? And in fact, if, if, if something happened to them and they stopped growing, you'd be concerned about that. You'd start saying, well, well there's something wrong. Maybe we should be concerned. We need to talk to the doctor. But we don't seem to get too concerned about that when it comes to spiritual matters. And I'm going to ask you a question, and, and you've got to be honest with yourself. Has anything changed in you since you told the world that you were a follower of Jesus? Has your life been affected by Jesus Christ so that the world could tell a difference in you that you have grown up? We've been called to maturity. We've been called to this lifelong process. And just as it doesn't make sense that we physically don't grow up, it also makes sense that we need to grow up spiritually. And, and we don't grow overnight. I know sometimes you walk in on your kids and you think, my goodness, their feet are hanging off the edge of the bed. But it really takes a while to do that. And it's the same thing with our spiritual life. 
you were taught with regard to your former way of life to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's Ephesians 4. And Paul gives us a little vision. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the, in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of, of the fullness of Christ. I'll make a point about that in a minute. And then we will no longer be infants tossed for, back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Isn't it interesting that God expects us, number one, to grow up? But also, did you notice he says, he, he talks about growing as we all reach unity. Part of growing up, part of a maturity is coming together in unity. I was at camp last week. Many of you have already known that. I've already told you that. And it's interesting. I was around a lot of people that I've been around for a long time. And some of those people are still yang yang at each other. They're still, you know, I wish you would do this. And, I, you know, and you just sit there and say, really, seriously? But he tells us, we need to grow up. I, uh, <laughs> I have this at home. I need to bring it to my office. My middle grandchild, she's learning to write. And she has a little sister that drives her nuts. And one day I found this, and, and she gave it to me, and it says, just let it go. <laughs> I think we need to learn that lesson. I think we need to learn to be the bigger person. And I want to ask this question of this church. I asked it as, you, if, as, as an individual for you, but I want to ask of this church, are we a different church than we were last year? Are we a different church than we were five years ago? Are we a different church than we were 10 years ago? But this brings us to number three. If indeed that we're going to have to be transformed into a new identity, then we must surrender and we must grow up and the spirit must be involved. We're afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. We can talk about the Holy Spirit, but when it comes to affecting us, when it comes to uh, uh, leading us and prompting us and those kind of things, we start saying, oh, you're getting a little weird on us, Jim. But if we indeed are going to be the children of God, the Spirit must be involved. In 2 Corinthians, it says, now the Lord is the Spirit. If we're going to be like Him, we're going to be letting the spirit move us 
And he says, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces, remember that reference? That's a reference to Moses coming down off the mountain, being with God, his face shown, and the children of Israel said, listen, you need to cover your face. He says that's what it is to be a follower of the Spirit. Something changes in us. And he says, we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed, there's that word again, into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Prompter at least eight times in the New Testament. We find the words, make every effort. Paul tells us in Romans that we are to renew our minds. We're told that we must put on Christ. We become Jesus to all those who are around us. We become Jesus with skin. Rubel Shelley and Randy Harris wrote a book called The Second Incarnation. And the entire premise is about we become Jesus who lives among the people today. Colossians says that we're to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and a host of other qualities. And 1 Peter tells us to be clothed with humility. In Romans chapter 13 and verse 14 it says, clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. This morning as I was preparing to get ready for church services, I took a shower. I know you're glad I did that. (laughs) I took a shower and I put my clothes on. But in order to put the clothes on, I had to put my my legs in my pants. I had to put my, my arms in my shirt. I buttoned it up. And here I am standing in front of you with my khaki pants and my red and white shirt. And I am clothed with what garments I had. And the scripture says, we must put on Christ. The world tries in so many ways to find our identity in whatever product is popular. You know, you would be this if you used our product. Or you would change your life so much if you would drink or eat our product. Or you would be so much better. Really, we would be so much better if we put on Christ. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So how do we find our identity in Jesus? How do we clothe ourselves with him? Galatians chapter 3 says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of us who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. This morning we're going to offer an invitation. The invitation is always open. Sometimes we do it at the first, sometimes we do it at the last. But we want to offer you an opportunity to be clothed with Christ. And maybe, maybe that's been something that you have, maybe you took it off. I, I do that at night when I go to bed. You know, it's time to go to bed. I take off the clothes, put on the, some pajamas and go to bed. And sometimes I think what we have done is taken off Jesus and we put on Satan's garments. 
But I'm encouraging you this morning. We've got a song selected to encourage you. Our shepherds will be in the back. If you want something, somebody to talk to about something that's important to you, go talk to them. Go pray with them. They would be more than happy to do that. But above all else, be clothed with Christ. Let's stand and sing.